Each day in the nine o'clock uh, morning session, one of the teachers will offer a set of instructions uh, for the meditation practice. In the instructions, we can understand in two ways. The first of which is to provide a conceptual framework for the practice. So this is a way to begin to refine our understanding of how and why to do the practice. And the second role of the instructions is to provide a very concrete technique. So this is the the how to do the practice. I think what you'll find as we go through the week together, and this will, this will probably ring true for those of you who have sat one or two retreats in the past, is that there's, to some extent, a stacking uh, framework to the instructions, whereas we get a, today we get a, a broad brushstroke, an overview, and then will with each consecutive day we'll start to layer on more instructions that build on the initial foundation okay and what you'll what you'll find some of you is that you're working very closely with the instructions that were given in the morning throughout the day and then others of you and this will shift probably as the retreat goes on some of you will find that you're very naturally starting to integrate uh, and merge instructions from multiple days. Okay? There are two qualities of mind that we're trying to cultivate. And Josh referred to both last night. Concentration and insight. Two qualities of mind that we're trying to cultivate. Concentration and insight. We can do this in two ways. We can can develop concentration specifically in two ways. Now, one is, uh, I could say there could be both two different intentions and end results of concentration. The first of which is to develop concentration solely or exclusively for the result of concentration itself. This is uh, samatha, samatha bhavana. The second intention and result uh, is vipassana. Bhavana, to develop concentration to create a framework for investigation that gives rise to understanding or insight or wisdom. And it's this second approach that we take here on retreat, which is really a combination of concentration and insight practice, what I like to call concentration hyphen insight. The instructions that I'll share this morning are going to be exclusively concentration. 
And then very quickly in the next couple of days, we'll start to, we'll start to in addition to repeating the techniques for concentration, start to guide you in how to open your attention and moving in the direction of insight practice or, in my language, concentration hyphen insight. So what is this concentration that we are talking about? In a sense, we're heightening an element of concentration that uh, Bhikkhu Bodhi, for example, says is available uh, in every moment of consciousness. But we're trying to elevate or refine this particular aspect of attention. Okay? And ultimately, what we want to be able to do is to keep our attention in a very fixed way on a particular object or anchor. And I began talking about this last night in the opening instructions. And the way that I talk about this is uh, twofold. One, the object is a place where we rest our attention. An object is a place where we rest our attention. It's something that we're seeing. It's something that we're facing with awareness. It's something that we're orienting our attention toward. Okay? Our intention is to notice this something. This breath, this sound, this sensation, this eventually as the practice develops, this feeling, this thought, etc., etc., etc. So we're resting our attention on some aspect of experience. Secondly, we are returning our attention to that same aspect of experience to cultivate concentration. So why is this second aspect important? The second aspect is important because despite the first possibility of keeping our attention on the object, we often won't, right? We know that from our own practice. However, as we apply continuously this practice or technique of coming back, we will find that we're able to keep our attention on the object for a sustained period of time. Okay? And many of you uh, know that that's true from your own practice. So in really, really simple terms, what we're doing is we're choosing an anchor or an object. At this point in the practice, I'm using those terms synonymously. Okay? Anchor and object. We're resting our attention on that place, on that aspect of experience. And when we notice that the mind has become distracted, the mind has gotten caught up in its own productions, maybe we're worrying about something, maybe our belly is uncomfortable as a result of the food we ate, or maybe we ate too much food, or we, we didn't eat enough food, and we start to get nervous, oh, what's going to happen? Maybe I'm going to get sick. I don't want to get sick on my meditation retreat. That would be a bummer. I only get one week of vacation a year. Now I'm going to be sick. I'm not going to be able to get a concentrated mind. That's, the mind will just spin, right? 
And so we just notice, here I go again, I'm doing that wary thing that I often do. Then you recall, oh, the object right now is breath. And then you drop that worrisome narrative. There's effort involved in that. Might even feel like you're taking a risk. Really because the mind thinks it's going to resolve something such that you feel better. That's why it's a risk, right? You're dropping that pattern behavior and you're coming back to something very ordinary. Uh, And without insight or wisdom, it would seem too ordinary to provide any real lasting value. But in fact, it's it's the way to wisdom. It's the way to insight. So you just come back to the breath. Okay. So we're resting our attention on an anchor and we're coming back. For example, if this uh, singing bowl represents breath or it could represent sound or sensation like a pain in your left shoulder, if the bowl represents the object of our attention and my hand uh, represents attention, I'm going to take my attention okay, and I'm going to place it on the object. And I'm going to hold it steadily, uh, but, but with some delicacy, I would say. Okay? Not too tight, not too loose. And I'm going to rest my attention there. And then I might start thinking about what I'm going to have for lunch. And so I lose contact, essentially. I lose contact with the anchor. And then it's mindfulness will naturally return to see or to recognize that in this moment I'm thinking about lunch. And that's when I have what I call a choice point. I can continue to think about lunch or I can bring my attention back to the anchor. Okay? So for our practice today, as we start to settle in to retreat, start to settle into the body, start to settle into the here and now, we're going to be doing a lot of this. We're going to be coming back a lot. So concentration is collecting together, if you will, an otherwise chaotic and dissipated and uncontrolled uh, stream of mental states and it unifies them. When this happens, we begin, if you will, to see the whole of things rather than seeing things in parts or fragments. So how things function according to reality starts to come in to greater focus. With this, there are two, I would say, fruits of concentration practice. One is this unbroken attention that I've already talked about. Now today it's going to be broken. Object, lose contact with object. Object, lose contact with object, come back, come back. But ultimately, the fruit of this practice is a relatively and sometimes quite significantly uh, unbroken uh, contact, relationship, union, eventually with the object. And the second fruit of concentration is often described as tranquility. 
Okay? Anybody want more tranquility? Right? We can understand this as a kind of ease and stillness that occurs naturally, which is the result of that chaotic and dissipated mind coming together or coalescing. When this occurs, there's also a felt sense of uh, energy conservation. One of the ways that we're wearing ourselves out is simply through the busyness of mind, problem solving and planning and reorganizing the events of our external life and the uh, inner turnings of thoughts and feelings and emotions to try to reach a state that inherently, again, feels better. And when we drop this project, a lot of that effort frees up energy that is otherwise wasted and the mind and the body feel very awake. One teacher says that it's these factors of unbroken attention of the object and tranquility that makes the mind suitable for penetration. Suitable for penetration. In a Buddhist framework, this is referring to the possibility to see a truth beyond the current perceptions of a deluded mind. And when we use language like this, what we're saying is that we have a capacity, uh, the mind has a capacity when uh, tended to skillfully through meditation to see two things. One, the true nature of suffering, the reality of it, the causes of it, and secondly, the causes that facilitate the release of that dukkha or suffering. Okay? So the, the penetrating mind is understanding something both very simple and very profound at the same time. But we have to simply begin by stabilizing and quieting the mind. Okay? So we'll do a period of practice together What I'll do is, and I'll just say this before we even start, I'll use the same anchors I used last night in that very short introductory meditation. We'll work a little bit with breath and a little bit with sensation and maybe sound. Sometimes I I use all three, okay? And to to begin, I would encourage you to really stay with with the guided meditation. Whether it's working perfectly for you, whether it's bringing up a little bit of resistance, just here at the beginning of the retreat, uh, try to use the instruction as very distinct uh, guideposts, if you will. You may already, or otherwise, you might soon find that you you're not going to use multiple anchors. Like, I'm going to, I'm going to offer a little bit of a buffet. Uh, the invitation is to have an exploration and also allow yourself by way of that exploration in the coming d- days to learn which anchor is most suitable for you. Okay. So go ahead and just begin by taking a posture that feels 
relatively comfortable knowing that the, that the body has its usual uh, tightness perhaps or unsteadiness. Try to find some relative balance so that the body is not leaning too far forward or too far back. You can even sway a little bit or rock forward and back. There is a place where the body, the, the head is stacked roughly above the shoulders. The chin is slightly tucked. The shoulders are above the hips. Where the musculature of the body, the abdominals, the back, the shoulders, the muscles around the hips, these body parts don't need to be contracted to hold this sitting form this sitting posture. And when that's true, the body, the musculature, can begin to soften or relax. So so really you might begin to feel the skeleton supporting the physical form, the body. The posture is very upright through the spine. The back is probably more elongated than it might otherwise be if we were sitting casually or even going for a walk. I like to say that there is some effort, some gentle effort put into or invested in the body to be upright, to be engaged. It might feel almost proud. The the body might... Uh, feel lifted in some way. Not, not with arrogance, but with a sense of taking up space, of showing up. And some people will report that this uh, indicates a possibility or mirrors a possibility to the mind of paying attention, of showing up of being here fully. So see if you can feel that in the body. Being here fully. And at the same time, just letting the shoulders fall down away from the ears allowing the belly to be soft. Temporarily bringing your attention maybe to the jaw and mouth. Are you gripping or squeezing or clenching or biting down. You might open the mouth dramatically and then close it and intentionally bite down to see what that feels like. Maybe doing this a couple times in search of a position where the jaw and mouth feel neutral. (laughs) 
I do the same experiment with my eyes. I open them very wide and then I squeeze my eyes shut. And I do this two or three times and I try to position the eyes and eyelids in a way that they're neutral, relaxed. A teacher once asked me to relax my ears. What would that be like? Relax your ears, your nose, your eyebrows. And when we hear instructions like this to relax the body, and we bring our attention to those parts of the physical body and notice that there is some tightness, and we can't relax, we just create a mental space to allow for that. It's okay. And I'd like to invite you now to locate a place in the body that makes contact with a non-human surface beneath you. So, for example, where your knee or leg touches a blanket. Or maybe if you have a thin cushion beneath you or a thin blanket, maybe you feel with your knees the solid surface of the wood floor. Maybe if you're in a chair, the bottom of your foot or feet are pressing into the wood floor. Whether you're on a cushion or a bench or a chair, maybe noticing the place where your upper legs meet one of these objects. A couple of you are making contact with the wall behind you. Noticing the places where your body touches this surface. Allowing whatever sensation is most vivid. This means whatever sensation is easiest to recognize. Allowing this temporarily to become the focus of your attention. Remembering the visual example I gave with the singing bowl in my hand, taking the fullness, taking the fullness of your attention in moving it to that place. You've chosen 
maybe some quality of pressure or touch. Maybe that surface feels warm or cold. Maybe it feels hard. Maybe it feels soft. Maybe this place of contact or touch or sensation is very distinct, marked. Or maybe it feels subtle. It's vague enough that the mind seems to circle around the edges of it. See if you can rest your attention on this aspect of bodily experience and also knowing that it's quite likely and it's also okay that the mind will wander. When you notice that the mind has wandered, employ the second strategy, which is bringing your attention back to the same location in the body, the same experience of touch or contact or sensation. Placing your attention on this aspect of bodily experience, holding the intention of keeping the attention there, gently but steadily. Possibly even beginning to enjoy the simplicity that is built into this. There's nothing else that you need to do. And then returning your attention to this place every time the mind gets caught up, every time 
you find yourself in the past or the future or analyzing the present moment. Trusting that just this simple set of instructions applied over and over throughout this meditation period and throughout the day will very naturally lead itself in the direction that these instructions point to stability, calm, and clarity. We don't try to become clear. We just try to focus on one aspect of experience. Now making contact again, if necessary. Feeling the basic quality of touch, pressure, contact, solidity, hardness or softness, heat or coolness. You might even feel a dull ache in this part of the body or a tingling sensation. So be very clear about where this location is in the body. And then notice how you have the ability to shift or change the location 
of your focus, that you have the capacity to determine where your mind goes. And now becoming aware of your breath, watching the location of attention shift to the belly or to the torso, noticing whether you're breathing in or breathing out in this moment. Is oxygen coming in to the body or leaving the body? Being clear that you've just shifted the object or anchor to now rest your attention on the breathing as a new experiment in present time awareness. What this means is that when the body is breathing in, you are aware that you're breathing in. And when the body is breathing out, you are aware, body breathing out. Try not to think about the breath. You might, if necessary, let go of any uh, analysis of whether you're doing it right or wrong, which can be quite common, particularly for beginners. Just feeling the texture of the breath. The breath might be very slow. For others, it will feel rapid. There might even be some tension or tightness or There could even be some anxiety when we bring our attention to the breath. For other people, it might feel hard or difficult to really notice the breath. So just keep looking. Where where is the breath in the body? Where do I feel it? Do I feel it in the belly, down by my navel? Do I feel it higher? up in the torso, up in the chest area. Some people will feel it right at the tip of the nostrils. This alone is a sufficient uh, exploration. Where is the breath most vivid right now, this morning? Belly, chest, or nostrils, where air is coming in and out of the body. The breath might feel deep, it might feel shallow, and we don't put all of, we don't put any of these variations on a hierarchy, we just notice how the breath is and allow it to be that way.
watching the breath, feeling the breath very closely, we might notice where the inhalation begins. And then there's contact with the duration or the length of that inhalation. And then eventually that in-breath completes itself naturally. We don't do the ending of the breath. The in-breath ends on its own and we're aware of it. And the new exhale begins. Again, that's not something we do. That just happens. We watch or feel the body expel that air, and then at some point that process is done, and the outbreath completes itself. That's not something we do, we just notice that it has occurred. And we wait and allow the subsequent in-breath to begin in its own time, naturally. And so we settle into the natural rhythm or pace of the body breathing without doing anything, without managing it or manipulating it to be a particular way. We could say rather that we are aware of the current breath, however it is. When you notice that the mind has wandered, you've lost contact with the breath, knowing that this is okay, knowing that this is going to happen many, many, many times, simply recognizing it and coming back and exploring. Again, am I breathing in in this moment or breathing out? Entering back into a new cycle of connecting with, of feeling directly the breathing. 